Tonight, we are on um, another recording of My Story Podcast, and I have the honor to sit down with Coach Beverly, um, who is one of my favorite people. Um, And I don't know if you remember this, Coach Beverly, but you subbed for me. Um, I was teaching second grade, and... um, Usually when somebody subs for a class, you get notes like left on the desk and it's usually like the misbehaviors or here's the work. But you wrote me a long letter and it was front page, the whole page of the front was full and back. And I try to find it because we've moved a couple of times. I know I have it. It's got to figure out what box it's in. But in that letter, I remember you put in there about how well behaved my students were, about how respectful they were, about how kind and loving they were. You talked about how my room was organized and everything was in its place and it was easy for you to find and that you could tell I spent a lot of time with those kiddos. And I had never received anything like that. And I knew that you were Donna's daddy, and I knew Donna, she, she's a special lady, so she had to have come for some really great parents. But when I, that was my first real encounter with you outside of like after, over the years, I would see you in the hallways and stuff. But um, you were set apart in that, that you sat down and you took the time to write that, and it did something for me as a young teacher. It just did. And so I wanted to tell you that. I want to tell you thank you. And that when I prayed about, Father, who is going to be our next guest, um, immediately he brought you to my mind. I saw you somewhere. I think uh, Maggie and Lincoln had something at the school, and I wanted a picture with you. And um, and I knew then, I knew then, because there's something in you. I know it's his spirit that is very, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obviously, you have a light that just can light up a room. You're one of those that when you walk in a room, people are immediately drawn to you. And I love how you share stories. I love how you talk about, um, you know, your life and and how you share it in a story. And you talked about that at the field the other night about how Jesus spoke in parables. And so um, the, the goal of our podcast is that if one person listens and it changes one person's life, we, you and I tonight will have done what we were supposed to do. So um, I thank you. And I just want you to start. I know your word is perseverance. Um, and then I'm going to be quiet and just let you, I want to listen to your story and just hear um, what our God has done for you and how it'll bless somebody else. I'm just so thankful that you're here. You're so kind to say these very, very, uh, very kind words to me. I hope I'm deserving. I hope I can live up to the expectations. Uh, uh, I tell people a lot of times I'm not fake and phony. I just ride a plain horse like Randolph Scott. (laughs) And what you see is what you get. And that's that's, uh, most of the time uh, when I say something, it comes from the heart because uh, I'm really a man of few words, but when I say something, I like for people to hear me and have some meaning. And when somebody else talks, I like to find something from what they said that we share a commonality, and I find it to be so true and so meaningful. And thanks again for your kind words. Yeah, you're welcome. You're so welcome. The word that uh, I selected was one word that I've had to resort to many times in my life, the perseverance. And uh, perseverance, in, in selecting this different scripture from the Bible, I felt that the most appropriate would be reflecting the memories of my life. Mm-hmm. And I told tell people oftentimes, Life of the memory. Thank you for years. Yeah. 
So the word perseverance means a great deal. I will elaborate uh, some things that I don't want to be too negative about, but they were things that happened in my life that I had to, when I got knocked down, I couldn't stay there. I had too many things that I had to do, too many people that were looking to me. And the basic thing with some of my encounters, all my life of the 37 years coaching and, and teaching, when you deal with the human element, there are going to be a lot of mistakes, and we're yeah. going to make them. And you have to have a forgiving nature, and you have to endure and go back to plan B when plan A doesn't work. That's all I know to say. So there are many trials and tribulations in the journey through life. In my heart, perseverance was tantamount of my feelings. Mm. I have said hundreds of times to many students, if you do what's in your heart, you will never make a mistake in the game of life, of which we were put on earth to serve God's will for His glory. Amen. To me, life is a memory. That is all we have left. So each hour of the day, God has blessed us in the thing of remembrance. And, you know, if we go to the altar, the thing we say, this do in remembrance of me. So I think it's a, a very meaningful word that remembrance is the memory. <laughs> I should begin with my life as a young boy in Roanoke, Alabama. We lived four houses down from the street from the Methodist Church. Sunday school was what I was taught to love, love the church, and love the people in it. Amen. I tried to have a perfect attendance each year. We got a pen for Sunday by Sunday coach for not missing a Sunday. At my young age, my best friend was the preacher's son. We never had an argument, I guess, because I spent a lot of time in the parsonage with the whole family. <laughs> I still read in my Bible. That was written, given to me in 1951, Christmas Day. NYF Vacation Bible School was very important to me, for I was with my classmates from elementary school. We had a junior choir, and on Wednesday we had Bible readings in our Sunday school room. A nice lady was our teacher. Her husband had been the coach there at Hanley High for 13 years. He always <laughs> talked to me, and he kind of inspired me to to listen to the way he made delivery and the things that he recollected about things, and I was a good listener for him. Mrs. Stevenson, I enjoyed the construction paper scriptures that she gave to each one. That meant a great deal that she took that extra time. The Golden Rules was my favorite because the Coke Company awarded us a wooden ruler with a golden rule on it. I have it on my dresser today. Wow. Uh, that goes back to elementary school when Coca-Cola's were nickel. And many people that's listening to me will <laughs> share those Coke for nickel, and I never was so shocked the day I went to the Coke machine. It said Coke six cents, so I ran back home and got in my piggy bank to get the penny to get back to the top of the hill. <laughs> so that's... That's a little memory for me yeah. that I would go way back in time. I persevered with my early love for the church by singing from the hymnals, What a Friend, Church in the Wildwood, Rock of Ages. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad attended my dad's country church where we had singings and dinner on the ground. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. My papa sang Sweet By and By mm-hmm. when we worked in the fields, picking cotton, cutting firewood with an axe. First Chronicles 16.11, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continuously. I'm reminded of the old African proverb, as long as one man lives to speak his name, nobody ever dies. Amen. This is very meaningful to me now after teaching 50 years. Wow. The scripture reads to persevere is to endure, and you will give lives. Luke 21, 19. As a senior in high school, we had an assembly program. As captain of the football team, my favorite scripture was, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. Whence which cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord that has made heaven and earth. This didn't mean too much at that time that I did that. Yeah. But the shocking thing was a boy remembered that. <laughs> right. And he revealed it to me. And it, it was something that meant a great deal. My wife and I carried her daddy to the church there in Roanoke. And a former junior high player was there with his mom, and he quoted the scripture that I had said in the assembly program in 1960. He was in the eighth grade. He told me why he wore number 22 the next year as a ninth grader. I was coaching him, and it was my number. And I didn't know that many things anybody. That's right. <laughs> you know, no. it, it did at that time. The program that I gave that scripture was 1960. And it was 2003 before her daddy passed that this young man from 1960 to 2003 told me what that meant to him, mm. an inspiration, yeah. a remembrance, and a memory. Now, in church, I've said this to many, many boys, and they quote me, if your eyes don't leak, your head will swell. So I cried in church yeah, because he didn't have to tell me that. Mm-hmm. It was part of his life, something that he wanted to share. And in a serendipity meeting mm-hmm. of the church, I never dreamed I would see anybody that I knew that went that far back. But that was reality. Yeah. In the seventh grade, I gave a speech in English class why I wanted to coach and be a teacher. Mm. I was inspired by my football coach. I thought he hung the moon. I knew why God had put me on earth to do his will because he he uh, he showed special attention. I was his water boy and manager and also he was a junior coach as a varsity coach and I just I just idolized him and I thought well one day he said, Let's, he lives on the street pretty close to where we lived as a young boy. And uh, he said, come on, uh, we'll, we'll go through town. I want to stop and get some T-shirts. We stopped at the post office where he wouldn't have to put any money in the parking meter because he was very tight. He didn't yeah. throw money away. And I, I, I like that yeah. about him. And so what it amounted to, we walked down to the department store and we walked in. And he told everybody hi, and he said, give me a dozen T-shirts and put it on my bill. And I thought, God, Coach, you'll, you, you'll have these things. I didn't have 12 shirts in my whole house in any closet. <laughs> and I was wearing hand-me-downs yeah. most of the time. 
But John 6, 37, all the Father gives me will come to me. My mother carried me to a picture show to see the Prince of Peace. When we were walking home, she explained to me about John 3.16. And I, I couldn't really read and write because a lot of it was up on the screen in print. There was not that much auditory to right. the Prince of Peace. So it was a, a new experience for me. And like, so God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son in John 3.16. That if you believe in Him, you'll have everlasting life. And you have to talk to yourself. To in being a Christian, you have to talk to yourself a lot, a time, from time to time, to keep on going, to keep on keeping on. Amen. Yeah. Because with the human element, we're gonna deal with a lot of ups and downs. And like the old poem, you don't know the reason why, but there's to do reply. Mm. So. I was in church in Plains, Georgia, with Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter. We went, my wife and family, daughter's family, we went to see President Carter in his Sunday school teaching. And he made this comment as a memory. He says, Jesus was the prince of peace, not war. So with that, it went back to me seeing that and knowing and I picture him over the cross with two not-so-good people on the side of him, and yep. there he was. And I knew it, it had such a, a binding memory with me that uh, uh, when he was talking this, that I had reflected back when my mother couldn't drive, so we went to the show, and we walked there, and we walked back. And uh, that was a memory because... Uh, when your mother and daddy gives you their last dime and says that's all they got, you have a memory. Yeah, yeah. After high school, I attended Southern Union College from 1961 to 1963. This was a congregational Christian church. We coached junior high football in Run Oak. The quarterback club paid $10 a week. Me and my best buddy split $5 for him and $5 for me. So we continued to persevere my ambition, and that was to be a coach. So it went to Auburn, it was 43 miles, and and uh, I always liked the coach there, Coach Jordan, because when he talked to me, it was like an English professor because he always had a, such a kind heart that he was forgiving in nature, and I never understood. He said, well, somebody's got to lose, and, you know, but, you know, <laughs> As a coach myself, I never did want it to be me. I wanted to be the other <laughs> fella. Right. So uh, I was on my journey to Auburn. In 1964, I suffered a real devastating thing in my life. I had what was called Bell's palsy. The right side of my face, I woke up one morning before I went to school, and my face was paralyzed. My eye wouldn't shut. The food wouldn't stay. My lips wouldn't shut. Food wouldn't stay in my mouth. As I went home, I spent two weeks in the hospital, and a neurosurgeon diagnosed my case. That neurosurgeon had President Kennedy lived. He would have been flown to Dallas to operate on President Kennedy. His name was Louis Hazur in Columbus, Georgia. So he was my doctor, and I had to leave school for a year. 
and I thought my world had come to an end. Yeah. When you, uh, at a young age, in the 20s, and uh, uh, your face is paralyzed, and you have extremely excruciating headaches, it was unbearable at times, and, you know, I couldn't see the light for the end tunnel for me. I just, I just... I didn't know I didn't know which way to turn, which way to go. Yeah. But I did continue with my with my church. But you know, people all over town. I got letters from people in Germany and Japan, former people that knew me that was praying for me. Wow. And you you think you made an impact with people across the ocean, and they think enough of you to to uh, send those letters and people calling you and yeah. preachers of different. Denominations were coming to see me, and uh, and I knew then I had a lot of support. I had a lot of encouragement, and I had a lot of people in my corner. Yeah, and they were Christian people, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad they were doing that to me because it it gave me a will. Yeah, to return to college in a year, and I still was going to pursue what I'd always wanted to do. It was just going to be a little bit longer coming. I was not accepted for the Army. I got reclassified. And at the time, the Vietnam War was in the prime of 500,000 people uh, being selected in the service. And I, I was turned down two times, but physically unfit. And I thought, well, <laughs> uh, I want to get my college. If I have to go, let me get through college first, and then, then I'll serve my country and do my duty. <laughs> But uh, I I didn't I didn't ever go in the army. So in 1966, uh, we were married and the girl of my dreams, and we moved to Iceland, Alabama, and we went to stay one year. After one year, I was made the head football coach and athletic director and the history teacher. Boy, was I having so much fun! And you know, the one thing it it's when I look back and see these people that I had and what their lives meant to me. Then, my doctor, my doctor, Doctor Michael Sims at Horizon Diagnostic, was my fullback and linebacker on this team. It was two undefeated teams, and uh, the only undefeated team in 1968, undefeated and untied, and, and he, he was there. And when he told me one day, I can still picture you, Coach, standing at the board riding the battles of Gettysburg and all the generals, and, and I thought <laughs> I thought he wanted me to sit out at all times. He was, he was hearing me, but yeah. from that time, from, from the time we came – Smith Station, and he was still practicing at Horizon in Columbus. He was my doctor, and I have given him so much credit. He's prayed for me in his office. Yeah. He's called me before. <laughs> when I was inducted in the Coaches Hall of Fame, he wrote two letters of recommendation. Wow. He came to that induction, and I'll elaborate a little long, longer over into my words. He was wearing the cap that his daddy wore when he was his daddy was president of my quarterback club. <laughs> so this is a memory. Yeah. This is a memory that, you know, he and I standing mm. together mm-hmm. at that ceremony yeah. is on my mantle mm-hmm. by some of my other keepsake preachers. So that's what his life meant to me because 
he also inspired me because he was part of my life and he went and made this and I'm just using one person because I dealt with him a little longer than some of the others. It's not that I'm right. discrediting right. any of them in any right. sense of the word because uh, I, I couldn't do that. So I knew the Lord had put me at Iceland, Alabama in 1968. The integration laws changed. So this was all schools closed and we had to... People from different backgrounds, African-American children, had never taken part in organized athletics. This was new for everyone. My responsibility was to educate all my students and players, <laughs> regardless of where they lived, where they had their parents work, or what background each student was from. All of these new students had feelings, concerns, and how I feel part of a new phase of their life. I had to harness their talents, get what I could out of them, and at the same time be fair and open-minded and always my will was to to give the position to the person most deserving. And a lot of times people don't understand it. They don't understand you, and sometimes you have to deal the lesser two evils, and you have to sometimes suffer some consequences. And as I said before, you make mistakes, but I never went on the football field that in my dressing room, someday, some way, I said, Lord, free my players from bodily injury. And I was so lucky. I never had a broken neck or broken spine. Yeah. Had a lot of surgeries. But I didn't have the worst thing that some coaches give up coaching because of what the injury comes to a person and they never get over it because, well, I knew my players, the hay bales and putwaters, many of them would do physical work. Me and my boys wanted to work with a power company, and I knew what that meant. To climb poles, you have to have good legs. So my daddy, my daddy did it, and he started at thirty cents an hour in nineteen thirty-eight. So I knew firsthand what it was all about. So I, I had to take care of them. Matthew six twelve, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and see this. This I had to read it ten times. I was called. Now you hear preachers being called, mm-hmm. but I know I was called to do what I did because it meant so much to me. Because other people that I had admiration for, I watched them. I studied them. I studied coaches. I listened to them. Uh, this is kind of off the record, but when we moved, I had to run two miles to get home to watch Bobby Dodd of Georgia Tech and Wally Butts of Georgia because the Columbus, Birmingham, and Montgomery channels didn't carry any of these coaches' programs. But I I learned because every time I wanted to see that I got something from them that I could might use later on. And a lot of times I'd take notes and, you know, it was just a – it was just – Sometimes it's a bigger part of my life than getting the books. Yeah, it is your ministry. <laughs> doing the, doing, the, yep. doing my, my school work. Through faith, understanding, support, fairness, love, and hope, we stayed 23 years there. 
My wife taught first grade 19 years. Don and David graduated from Clay County High. I was selected to be an ambassador to Denmark by the Rotary International Club. Mm-hmm. And that was quite an honor because there was only one other person that would go, and he was a teacher for Mobile. So, But I was unable to carry out that nomination. Many of the American students and players share with me the fairness and concern that I show them. Mm. And they don't have to say it. They do now. And I don't know how to handle it sometimes. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes I just, the uh, only thing I can do is hug them. They hug me. And they say, God put you in Iceland mm. because he knew that you would take care of us. And he knew that you would be fair to us. And, and that's the hardest thing in the world to do yeah. because, like I told my son when he decided to become a coach, the profession is real hard because it's very selfish. You're putting your intelligence in what you've taught your players every 25 seconds on the field. Mm-hmm. Every 25 seconds you're making a, a decision that affects somebody. And it's... Yeah. That's the way I looked at it. It, wow. wasn't, it wasn't a game to me because we kept score. Right. And I kept my job by the score. Right. <laughs> so it was different. <clears throat> now we look back and see, as we look back and see, the, the well-being was in the heart. And it was a very hard task. But once again, the clientele that I dealt with mm-hmm. was what I call the salt of the earth. <laughs> These were boys that worked in the hay fields. The boys that worked in the woods, they were pubwooders. <clears throat> and there were a lot of country churches that, that you felt welcome in because, to me, uh, there's, there's ministry and song. And the saddest songs are the songs that tell the saddest thoughts. And, you know, if you digest that, most of them have a meaning, and most of the time, somebody is losing a loved one with the mission and song. Yeah. And you, you try to put yourself in a situation like that, and like Blessed Assurance and all these films that I listened to all my life, and I sang, and, and uh, well, like, what a friend. Oh, yeah. That, that, mm. that was originally a poem. And this man that wrote the poem had a dear love for this young lady. And they just loved each other so much. And a chill of the night came out and killed her. The Lord took her uh, with tuberculosis at the time. And he was he was devastated. And he wrote the f- poem, What a Friend. Mm-hmm. Then another encounter came to him, and he felt the same way. And this person was taken from him. And in the hymnal, this man by the name of Charles Converse put his poem to music. And what a friend. This was, uh, that was 1732. Wow. <laughs> that that took place. At, uh, and, you know, uh, when you analyze the words, here's a person that lost the only thing that mattered in his life, and he lost it two times, mm. but he still didn't lose his faith. Amen. And your faith gets tested mm. uh, lots of times. Mm. And, you know, you just, 
it's really hard. You know, anybody can say and can say it real easy, but the finality of it is. It's tough as nails when you're having to do those things. It, yes, it, it's been for me. <laughs> In Hebrews 10, 35, 36, this scripture tells how to handle hardships. Do not throw away your confidence when you have such a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. So, in doing wills God, sometimes you don't get what you want. But when you look at it, it may this answer may come like the sun coming up real slow. Or it may be a bolt of lightning that hits you real fast. You never know which one. <laughs> but you have to be ready to yeah. handle both of them. That's, good. That's, 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 that's pretty tough. Yeah. My reward is when I see former students and players. And they say things that made me feel a positive part of their lives. Amen. Do you feel a fairness and res- being respected when people say that? Because they don't have to say it. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody likes you when you're giving grades. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But when you no longer give a grade and somebody tells you this 10, 15, 25, 40 years later, you know, they don't have to say it. So it's, it's, it means a lot to me. Wow. The next journey I took was calling to seek a position as principal at Wadley High School. When we say the word administration, the word minister comes to life. Wow. You are a minister to children away from home. Wow, yeah. And the parents. This was a tremendous responsibility in my leadership role because you weren't dealing with 22. You were dealing with 550 people and they all had feelings, and they all, you know, you, you, you don't, you're not able to get to all of them as you would want to. But you, you usually deal with a lot of them. It's usually the ones that get in the most trouble. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's hard sometimes. Yeah. They don't understand. But in the word principle, the word pal stands out also. In need for understanding, compassion, sympathy, empathy, and my favorite word. Perseverance. You have to persevere. This new work of life was a rewarding one because the new commitment was to get each student to go a purpose in life, a vocation for their life's work. So the role changed. This appointment came to me after three years. My contract was not renewed for no reason other than what was told me. The factory was split. Mm. A former person that had been in the political arena got the job. It was truly a politically connotated situation. And it was really hard for me to take because in the political arena, uh, you know, sometimes if there's an election, the most votes win, but sometimes when it's four or five people, they have their own agenda, so yes, you never know where That's you're going right. to be. And I don't want to sound so negative about no, it, but it's true. I think it's reality it of where you go. Yes, sir. And here's what I learned from that. People who do not like you don't win unless you dislike them back. Mm-hmm. Now you, I could have put a different word, people who hate you. Yeah. And if you don't hate back, you know, you still... 
the best man still puts out his hand first. Wow. And that's tough. That's tough. It's tough because yep. sometimes people look at that as a weakness. Yep. Yes, and, sir. you know, you don't want to to give an image that you're just a weak and a pushover. Yeah. Uh, a weakling and a pushover. Uh, the last day I was in this principal position, my sister's husband died of a heart attack. The day I turned in my keys and I didn't have a job. And my son was in the prime of his athletic ambitions and and this was this was hard, hard, hard for me. And I I the only thing I could do was just to take stock and trust in the Lord. Yeah. And the faith is tested again. Not long after that, within a month, my wife's mother died of pancreatic cancer, and we were moving at the time of all this took place. And, you know, you you can't handle something like that by yourself. So, you know, my mother told me as a little boy, down on your knees, you're taller than trees. And... I always wondered why why that was so important. Mm-hmm. But then when I thought back, when I went to that Methodist church, I really admired that minister. He looked more like a movie star than a minister because he was just, he just was a fine-looking fella. And when he would leave, we would have the choir, and we would be out. And as soon as he comes through the door, the first thing he did, he got on his knees and prayed. And a lot of times you don't see that. And then it, it was so meaningful to me that he asked the Lord to deliver that sermon, you know, the best he could. And uh, like I said, uh, wow. uh, I had to get on my knees. I didn't in front of people. Uh, I, I wasn't ashamed, but I did it. I think in the Bible it says, you know, you don't have to pray in a closet you can you can be in public but right i think i might be right on that i don't yeah, know yeah. maybe you can help yeah. me yeah no you're right you don't have to show and do you can do in private okay. yes yep to persevere i cast all my anxieties this is in first peter 5 7 i cast all my anxieties on him because he cares for you I retired from education and was given an opportunity in the sales in my hometown. Roger Bell, a former player of mine, furnished, gave me a job selling cars. He furnished me a car, and he gave me my own car lot. Wow. So I felt like, you know, he put a lot yeah. of faith and trust in me. Yes, he did. And I told, he told me one time, you're the best salesman I ever had. And I said, that's because I didn't know what I was doing. I just did what you told me to. <laughs> so we still, he's still a real strong person in my life because sometimes I would get depressed. Yeah. And I would go to him and he would give me things in his life that would uplift me. And I think, you're right. And his word is always use God as your source. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think, well, you know, you're right. You know, <laughs> here I am talking to you, and you're right once again. So, yeah. you know, you have to lean on people. Mm-hmm. You have to lean on people because you know there's a time when they're going to lean on you. That's right. So you have to be 
the same way in your heart, not for show, but in your heart. Yeah. And um, so being able to go to where my parents were and her parents were and be there every day and helping these things, uh, a six-day-a-week job, but I was there, and I felt so good and inspired that I was uh, not in the educational world, but I was doing something that I was put there for because there was a reason. I was put there in that town to be with my parents, even in that, that capacity. It wasn't the capacity that I got a degree in, but it was in capacity of dealing with people and many of the people I've known all my life, and uh, it was very special to me. And one day he brought the employees in and said, uh, I'm setting out, I'm going to Tennessee. And so what that meant for me was, here I am. You get yeah. knocked down, are you going to stay down and feel sorry for yourself, or are you going to get up and start swinging? Right. <laughs> so what I did uh, in this same year, once again, I had to persevere. I had always had philosophy in whatever you undertake. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking. If you get knocked down, get back up. In 1994, that's when that job played out. The coaching position in my hometown came open. I felt like the Lord was going to take care of me in the education world again. I had coached a junior high team and several years back and I was going to go down to where <laughs> where I cut grass for 50 cents an hour with a push mower in 1959 and when I tell students that today they think <laughs> coach did the, did the mower have a motor on it and I said yeah I did have the motor on it but uh, but I had to push it <laughs> so you know that <laughs> that taught me that taught me how to appreciate a lot of things yeah. with that so Again, the political arena came forth. Uh, I was not awarded the job that maybe I had never applied for in seven years from up until as long as I was in Iceland. But then when this one came open, I applied for it because I didn't have a job. So I wanted to be in the arena myself to try to... Uh, try to land the job in my hometown because I was needed there. Right. Always in one. That door was closed. Mm-hmm. So at the same token, at the same token in 94, the principal's job at Clay County High opened and I was an applicant for that. And uh, I applied for the history job and and uh, then teaching, and, and uh, so at that time, I didn't receive that position mm-hmm. in 94. So three positions didn't materialize, and it was the will of God. At the time, I didn't understand that. I yeah. thought, am I a second-rate loser? Yeah. What What's wrong with me? <laughs> And you ask yourself that question. It's not fun to go through self-persecution and assassinating your own character, but you have to ask yourself, you know, why? And I'm being very straightforward. Yeah. I ask myself why. Yep. And in 1994, my daughter drove up. 
I asked him, said, Daddy, there's a coaching job in Smith Station teaching history. <laughs> and, and I thought, the Lord has heard my prayer yeah. that I can get back doing what I know best. <laughs> I may have to ride to get there, but I'm going to do that. So my daughter was already teaching at Smith Station. <laughs> and the people were so supportive. You know, all the teachers were very kind and very professional, very respectful, very cordial. And I had the privilege of working under one of the finest men in the whole wide world, Mr. Larry Boswell. Yeah. And he was so pleasant to work for. And he, he showed so much respect with the things that I had encountered and things I had done. And oftentimes he would he would ask me, you know, different things about uh, different situations, and I felt like, when well, you know, he 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 kind of believes in me. Yeah, <laughs> he gave me a job, and I didn't have one with three other situations. So uh, I told him once, I'll fight for you at the edge of the cliff. That's I have to, right. and, he, and I still feel that way. So that's uh, the way I feel. And um, I hadn't been there but uh, just a couple of months, and my daddy passed away, nineteen hundred ninety four. And anybody that's hearing me will know when you lose your daddy, you lose your best friend. Because even when you're wrong, he will tell you you're wrong, and then he'll help you to do it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the way most all daddies are. Mm-hmm. They may carry you behind the barn at an early age and, and tell you right. how wrong you were, but yeah. then, that's, that was a convincing way back in that time. Yep. So... Uh, I wasn't able to make that game that night uh, of his funeral, but my players won a game. They dedicated the game to me, and luckily we won, and I know that was not you know, that great of a thing because of, when you lose somebody, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, with anything that comes along until it's kind of behind you a little bit, but... All those boys signed their name to that ball at that time. I needed to be back knowing that I was going to do what he came, he and my mama came, and saw me in so many situations with my coaching. And uh, uh, he wouldn't make the game, but I knew he was there. Yeah. But then, oh. Yeah. So uh, I I was there eight years. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in a capacity that I really, really loved. And the people there were just, they just kind of bonded to me. And mm-hmm. they saw that I would take care of them. And I said before, you got to be mighty sorry and mighty, mighty lazy to my, pass my class because I'll haunt you to do good. <laughs> and, you know, they always liked that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, uh, it's like an oil filter. Uh, buy your filter for $3 and don't pay two fifty for summer school, so get it the first time around. So That's right. That was, uh, they always laughed at that one. Yeah. Well, it, had, it had good merit. Yeah. Uh, my wife was given a position a little later on, and we were thrilled. In 2002, uh, the head job head position came over there in Smith Station, and uh, so I... Uh, I had been interim since November until March, and uh, I had uh, 170 boys that signed up to Ted play in the spring, and I would be the coach, and 
not trying to be negative. It's just sure. reality. Yeah. And, uh, I uh, d- didn't make that position, so I thought, well, I guess I better just get out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, uh, I'll try a different avenue. So uh, I tell people, they say, when did you retire? I said, I, I didn't retire. I wasn't tired. I just ran out of cash. So I, I took a job at Richards Middle School in LaGrange, Georgia, in uh, Columbus, Georgia. And Libyan Smith Station was really tough. A little part of me died that day. Wow. Because yeah. I did what I didn't want to do. I felt it out of necessity that I do that and and start anew. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I told myself, I've got, I've got to do this. Yeah. I just, I've just got to do it. So I went into the teaching world, no coaching, and it was uh, so rewarding because this school, the it was a magnet school, and the parents were so so supportive and overwhelmingly for you as a teacher and the students. They had to perform, yeah, because that was that was why they were there. They came from all over the county, so you might say it was cream of the crop, right? In one sense, sure. Uh, so, uh, uh, I I did that for quite some time. Well, from two thousand two thousand two to two thousand thirteen, and I had to take a leave. I got real real sick, and my doctor said, "Coach, we don't know what's wrong with you, but we're gonna find out." So, uh, you know, I had the surgery, and I found out, and I. I had uh, what I call a bad mule in the barn sometimes, and yeah. so it was two years I, I couldn't teach. Wow. And uh, when you're deprived of what you've done all your life, it, the adjustment is, it, the adjustment is just, it uh, it tests your faith. You just, yeah. you have to, you, you have to just get on your knees and you have to talk to people and, and you know, it, you have to rely on some people for their encouragement. And if you, if you don't think you do, this maybe something that you need to be analyzed about because you can't live without people alone. Because I've been to a lot of people at times, and you know when they were suffering, and I tried to be a solace when they were suffering, and they were for me when I was suffering. So this is what I this is what I did, and. Uh, uh, I lost my certification because I couldn't receive professional units. So I met a friend that had come to me in Richards. He had been a colonel in the Army for 31 years, and he was going back to get his teaching certificate. And, and he was working on his doctoral in Columbus State, and he called me one day and said, Coach, I want you to come to my classes and share some of your experiences and all. Wow, yes, and, and I'll pay you to come on Saturdays. And I said, wow, I'll be there. <laughs> That's right. So I called Montgomery. The reason I'm going in depth with a lot of this minutiae is just sometimes you have to, to dive into things and, and to get the bottom of all of it yeah. rather than just the top part. And I called Montgomery, and I said, I, I, I've got to do this, and and this lady said, anybody that's taught 45 years that wants to still teach, that's right. I'm going that's to extend you six more months 
for you to do this. And I, I got 155 hours just like when I graduated in 1966. I didn't send them down there. We, we, we went down there in the car, and I walked in there and handed them. So, you know, this is what I fall back on. This, this is me. Success and failure are both temporary. It's hard, it's hard to decipher that, but sometimes you can be high on that pedestal. Yeah. And sometimes you fall off, and then what do you do then? And, you know, maybe the Lord blessed me and not reventuring in some of these things, and, you know, like a hometown job. Uh, sometimes when you go back home and you're not successful there, where do you go from there? Right. You've already gone back home. Right. And that can be very devastating to your to your mentality and your self-worth and your self-esteem. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm dealing with a human element when I say these things because— uh, it's been it's been hard and it, it's it's been enduring, but in the long run, I've won. So, uh, failure is not defeat unless you quit trying. So I've always said that you know it's, you have to say it to young people and old a lot. Yeah. When you do fail, what do you do then? Where do you go? The only thing you can do is go up. So yeah. you just get up. Just just get up yep. and fight the good fight and Amen. pray to the Lord. And the thing is, I've learned so much with me uh, in my prayer, in my praying. And you know, people say, "Well, God spoke." I, I sometimes I feel when I speak, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm heard. But there's no words, but I feel like I'm heard. Yeah, and it, you know this. I, I think we call that supernatural. Yeah. Is that what we? Yes, is that sir. the terminology I need to say? Yep, it's perfect. Okay, well that's 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 what uh, what I feel. And and uh, another plateau that I went through, and it meant so much to me. Mm. Now, t- 2016, I was inducted in the Football Hall of Fame in Montgomery. There were about a thousand people there. Forty dollars a plate or sixty dollars a plate, and and uh, the reason I'm saying this is because it's it's so shocking as to how it transpired. Because in my interviews that were put on the screen that night, and I told about you know why made a coach and who inspired me and in the gallery because they knew I was inspired by this coach named Coach Oliver Woodard that was at Run Oak and he had been at Double Springs as champion state champion hmm. Run Oak state champion hmm. Athens state champion Coleman state champion they named the stadium after me the only coach of the state that's won championships in four different schools. Wow. And they put my picture under his picture in that gallery because they saw what inspiration that a man that was highly successful had given me at a very young age. Yeah. And that I took that at a young age and I never faltered and I never changed with it. 
because I got to do what I knew I was put on earth to do. And that was to coach football and to be a teacher. <laughs> I never had a teacher that didn't try to help me. Sometimes I didn't understand them. Yeah. But I never had one that didn't try to help me. And I, I always had them on such a high, a high platform. Yeah. You know, I wasn't sure they went and bought groceries, you know. <laughs> I wasn't sure about the humanality of them because <laughs> yeah. they were so much different. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> to say this, uh, it made me feel real good. I started out, and this woman is in charge of all girls' athletics. said, Coach Beverly, you wait a minute. So all my family waited, and she came up and said, I've quoted you every day for a month. If your eyes don't leak, your head will swell. Mm-hmm. She said, that's the good philosophy I've ever known in my life because some people get to a peak and they forget yeah. where they really came from mm-hmm. and who made them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm passing out accolades to people that inspired me. Yes, she was. That, and that didn't want me to quit. Yeah. didn't want me to roll over and, and, uh, and just not keep on trucking and yeah. keep on being what I had told my players and students all my life mm. how to handle it and then if I wasn't going to handle it myself am I fake am I phony that's I, I can't do this I got to yeah. keep on going that's right so I have the ring on but the ring is not mine I wear the ring for every boy I handed a jersey to in 37 years it's their ring. Yes, sir. Because those players, if I made anything, those players made me in one sense. And I tell them, I never put on a helmet. Y'all the one that played. All I did was try to keep you from fighting during practice. <laughs> and uh, so um, when I look at that, I think of Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you know that in a race, all runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run to win the race. So, you know, we talk about being a winner. Yeah. We talk about what it takes to be a winner. But uh, Jesus Christ was a winner. Yes, he was. With all his healings and all his different things he did. And and this is this leads me to the perseverance. I became a certified long-term teacher after I got recertified, and I've been able to go in the classroom at different levels in all grades and in all schools, and seeing little ones in their use of reading skills and learning how to make words and doing basic skills with their hands is a joy to me. There's a pleasant reminder of my grandchildren, Will, Katie, Maggie, Donna's children, Tate and Reed, David's children, watching them grow and mature is a worth of it all. <laughs> and teaching the thrill of children, answering questions, reading aloud, and telling their experience with their pets at home, seeing a smile on their faces when they feel a part of an activity, helping a friend when that's what I call study buddies. Yeah. They doing charts and drills. Many of my former students call me the man of a thousand stories, and I I, I kind of like the title. Yeah. I, I don't I don't say it braggingly, but what I tell 
students never remember chapter 5, 10, 15, or 20 in any book. No, sir, they do not. <laughs> but when you tell them a story and they listen and share, you know, Jesus spoke in parables and what he said, let the children come forth. And we put the children first because he singled out children when after he had worked miracles with all the other people in the Bible, but he still had time for the children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of mottos about helping helping people. And uh, uh, I see sometimes the gleam in their eye <laughs> when they get a right answer. Are you telling them, well, you know, yeah, I, I like that. You know, you say it again. I said, uh, y'all tired of hearing me. How about you telling her what you just said? They'll listen to you. And then there's no, no, we want to hear We want to hear you. Yeah. So anyway, it makes you feel like you're somebody, you know, yeah. when they yeah. say that. But when you tell a story like a little girl that had no coat that was made from a store, and she was from a family of 13, poor, and her mother made this coat, and she went to school, and all the children laughed at her because she was so poor and couldn't get a coat bought from a store. And she went home and said, I'll never wear this again. So children can be cruel, and you got to know how to handle them. You can brag on some, you can't brag on others. you got to low-rate some or put them down, then get them back up. But don't leave them down. Get them back up some way. Yeah. If you had to say, I like your tennis shoes or something, your Converse shoes. But anyway, Mother said, with every stitch I made was my love for you. Then that little girl knew that her love was for her. So she goes back and tells well, your mother can't sew. My mother can sew. You have to buy your coats. So we all know who I'm talking yeah. about. But when you go to the drugstore or the post office and some mother comes up and tells you that their child came home after you substituted in their class and they said you told this story and they tell you yeah. while you're at the dinner table, what I call the supper table yeah, too, too, then you see one little thing. One little thing that you may think was unimportant made somebody listen, and they got something of worth worthwhile. And to yeah. me, that's the worth of it all. And uh, uh, when you tell somebody about the man that only slept four hours a day, and he lost his hearing, so what did he do? He worked for the instruments to try to make him hear better. He developed a record player. He developed a motion picture. And when you tell everybody, I draw this up and I draw a bub up and they say, that's Thomas Edison. I said, yeah. Uh, he lost his hearing because a man punished him for being on a train without a ticket. But he didn't let it hold him back. And he made 15,000 inventions and yeah. he's the man giving credit for lighting up the world. That's right. So... You know, that's just one little uh, little yep. thing that uh, is a memory. I, I like to be called Poppy. Yeah. I like to be Mr. Poppy or Mr. <laughs> Coach Beverly. Or you taught my mother or you taught my daddy. Yeah. And I realize what the years have meant, and I'm still learning every day. 
And you go to wherever adventure you go and somebody shares and you see this commonality. And then in the Bible it talks about communications and talking. And, mm-hmm. and you know, one fellow was put in prison and every four hours they changed the guards changed and put different chains on him. You know, and you think of you know how terrible that had been, but you know, he uh, he gave a message to a lot of people. That a lot of people believed in. I, I think his name was Paul. Paul, <laughs> yeah. I knew you were talking about Paul, yeah. Poppy. Well, that's my favorite. <laughs> well, I, it is to a lot of people because he he wrote a lot of things. So, yes. uh, I never felt like. What I did was a job. I felt like it was a privilege. February the 10th of this year, I lost the love of my life. We would have been married 56 years. June the 11th. We married in June the 11th, 1966. And in perseverance in the victory with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I pray every day on my knees where nobody sees me but the man I'm talking to. Yeah. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty, put your trust in the Lord. Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will rest for your souls. My God of hope fill you with joy and peace, as Romans fifteen thirteen. In the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's Matthew five sixteen. And I don't want to sound out of the way here, but I feel like when I reach out and I give a story and I tell of a life experience, I and I find somebody feeding back with the same commonality, then what they've done, they shared something that was in their heart, but they didn't know how to say it at the time. Mm -hmm. And as low-key as I am, I can kind of get down and talk at a low level where, you know, (laughs) even an elementary student can understand (laughs) me. So uh, I feel like like I'm an instrument of the Lord's will and I do things for his glory and I love I love sermons I love song and I love people and and uh, the only thing I can say at this point this is my story and this is my song thank you for being so kind to let me share these moments with you yeah God bless yeah you did amazing and Whoa, like I cried through it the whole thing. Well, I just want you to know what a ministry, what a legacy that you have. And you love big and you love others. And one of the things I like to say all the time is we can't take all the things with us. So invest your time and your energy in people. And that is what you've done. And they get to go with you, Poppy. What a beautiful gift you've given. And you live... You live a life of love that is very admirable, and I mean that. And 
I'm a mess because I feel his love in you. It exudes. And I want to tell you thank you for being set apart. I mean that. And being willing to share because every story that you told, I, I felt the Lord speaking to me through that. And so I know that if somebody's going to hear this and just be um, set free and thankful and um, but you are a beacon in this community. You are a pillar, and um, our generation and the older and the younger and the babies—they love you, and it's because you love and you love well. So I just want to tell you, thank you on behalf of all of us, and I mean that. This this is so kind. I I, I cherish what you said about me, and I know that uh, I have other. F- housing in another place and people are always concerned about me and this is my answer they say are you going to move are you going to move away from us or what are your plans and I said I can't leave all my friends are here because of people when I see a ball player like yesterday three people came up to me that I hadn't seen and I can't go back how long it's been. And they tell me, in my job, I think of you about every day or sometimes a week. Yeah. And uh, the value of knowing that somebody puts you in their mind mm-hmm. when in this busy world, you, you don't even bother yeah. sometimes to say thank you for things yeah. you're thankful for. That That means something. So... It sounds kind of Mickey Mouse in one mm-hmm. sense, but in another sense, it's not because they don't have to say that to you. Mm-hmm. They're not gaining anything. And, and uh, you know, I always say, well, what you doing now? And I say, are you making good money? And they say, well, you know, we're getting by. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I said, all I ever made was good. It just never was enough. <laughs> and they just go wild when I say <laughs> that. So, you know, one little yeah. thing, yeah. one little thing, yeah. and one little thing, and all of a sudden, a smile comes yeah. on you and they hug your neck. Yeah. You know, and uh, well, I shook hands with a boy yesterday and he said, God, late coach, you, you just about broke my hand. I said, <laughs> well, that's pretty good for an old boy, isn't it? So, you know, that's um, that goes with sharing love. That's right. Yes, And sir. having people come to you. And uh, I'm just grateful that I was thought of enough by your inspiration. I didn't know... I didn't know that you got that much from that that letter, but I always said this, a written word is better than a spoken word. Yes, sir. And when you put it in writing, when somebody says, Coach, you're the best teacher I've ever had. And I said, would you put it in writing? It sounded so good. Yeah. Because, I mean, they didn't have to say it. And I take that, and we think, well, you know, why do you have to, why why does that matter to you? Because I was part of their life and they were my that's memories. Right. And that that written piece you've captured, that's why writing, I believe, was invented. It's spoken word put on paper and it's captured. And I'm I'm like that. You know how you said you keep your memories up and mm-hmm. pictures and your football. And I go back and look at my letters, even if it's like from my little first graders that they did a little, you know, I yeah. keep those things because it's. God God puts people in our lives. He's in every single detail. Like this, even tonight, Poppy, is not an accident. And I know that I think that's why I'm so emotional and in a good way. And so 
I see him in the details. And like the people that come up to you and say the things that they're saying, it's because you gave them God's love. And that's not an accident that they're in your story. It's not an accident because he, he orchestrates everything. He's in control of everything. And so you, you, you're making me feel so good. It's, <laughs> well, I'm telling it's the so, truth. so worthwhile here. Thank you for your time. And yes, I, sir. I appreciate yes, sir. the pastor here that we're, we're yeah. able to share this yes. moment. In a, Amen. Um, Amen. It, it'll go in my heart of yeah. one of the finest things that's ever happened to me. You know, I shared about a ring and I shared about different things, but a lot of things that become a pinnacle in your life and yeah. uh, that you think and reflect on every day. And then you think, am I going to let this person down? What am I going to do? Yeah. And sometimes somebody will say something to kind of chap you and you think, yeah. well, you know, they didn't have to say anything. So. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you very you're much. So, you're so welcome. Would you like to pray and close this out, or do you want me to pray? Yeah, I, I want to hear you pray okay. because yes, I, sir. I, I get chill bumps hearing you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, all right, Lord, we love you so much, and I just want to thank you for um, just your goodness, Father, and for Coach Beverly, for Poppy, and for his commitment to your word um, and to pray on his knees and to be an example for us. Father, it's a big deal to me. And it's um, you don't have that so much anymore. So I just want to tell you thank you for that. And thank you for just his willingness to sit here and share his life story. And it's such a beautiful story. It is such a beautiful story. Um, and just his, even his his marriage and what that encompassed and their their unity together, Father, inspires uh, young couples like, um, you know, my son and myself and my husband. We just, I, it's just a beautiful thing. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you for the word of perseverance that you gave him, that steadfastness and doing something despite his difficulties or, you know, maybe he felt like at that time it was a delay in achieving success, but it wasn't. You were right there in every single detail father and so rain may have came and winds may have blew but his house was built on yours on it was built on your foundation and i i thank you for that so we love you father and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your kindness in jesus name amen amen amen